Welcome to Surfcast. This is the last official episode of 2020. Now, we may put in a couple little bonuses as we get closer to Christmas or closer to 2021. Just some fun stuff. But this episode today, my guest is Robert Green. Now, Robert is a previous pastor. He is currently the um, FCA director for the Okoye region here in Tennessee. This guy is a Green Beret. He is a friend. He's a runner. He's a friend. I'm going to say friend a lot of times because he is actually genuinely a friend to a lot of people. What I like about Robert and his wife, Teresa, is they are legit. They are people who care about other people. Look at their life. Look at all of those that will find themselves connected to them. He's actually a peer mentor for me. Now, that's interesting because I'm older than the guy is, but he taught me many years ago a really unique way to do devotions, and it kind of transformed my life. A recent comment by Robert on the, on the uh, social media says this, there's a term in football called next man up. When a player is hurt or has COVID, can't play, it's the next man up. He mentioned that as he was headed into a pul- pulpit to preach with a very short notice. Here's what I like about this guy. This guy can actually speak without any necessary notice because he lives what he talks about. We'll be right back with this fun conversation with my friend, Robert Green. back robert welcome to servecast how you doing man man it's great to be here this morning with you this uh, is not your first time with us it is not i got to be with you a few months back and enjoyed our time together and uh, of course not just around this mic but uh even away from the mic you know i was thinking the other day robert as i was anticipating this interview with you 180 180 man this is like a long time ago i was a youth pastor at a local church you were a youth pastor at a local church you were the youth pastor that everybody was envy of because you had the Willie George model of the 180 mm-hmm. and the 180 center and all of that stuff. But you mentioned something the other day. I, I, I stalk your social media, I guess is what the term you want to use, right? <laughs> but I check it out often. And, and you talked about a guy at a red light that rolled a window down, looked at you and said, hey, are you the 180 guy or yeah. something like that? You know, man, take, take yeah. me back for just a minute. Yeah. We're going to start this episode out. On, on a story on the front end, and then we'll just do some of the kind of particulars as we get into this. How did you feel knowing that was nearly 20 years ago that you were a youth pastor with 180 and this kid did not forget you? Yeah, I've always had a heart for the disenfranchised kid. And so when we could create 180 program, it was really designed to be a, an evangelistic style youth ministry reaching the uh, – you know, the at-risk, or I like to call more the at-promise kid in the community. And so we had a lot of things going on. Well, it was really crazy, you know, literally 17 years ago, yeah. uh, this kid, Alex, and, of course, I think his parents named him after uh, a famous heavy metal <laughs> player. <laughs> but uh, I'm at the red light, and he asked me to roll my window down. And so I roll it down, and he goes, hey, man, aren't you the 180 guy? And uh, I said, yeah. And he goes, hey, my name's Axel. Man, 180 changed my life. And then he just rolled his window back up and took off, you know. And awesome. I just thought, man, those are the things later on, the seed that's planted, that yeah. if you trust it, you may not get to see the immediate fruit, but years later you watch God do some pretty incredible things through it. Yeah, you know, we all have those stories. I think the question is whether or not we actually position ourselves in a place to be able to recognize those stories, you know, to be able to identify when God says, hey, here's a refresher for you. This might be something that you just need because I know what you're headed into and I know where you've been, you know? Yeah, yeah. 2020, man, 2020. What in the world? What do, what do you make of 2020, Robert? Man, I tell people when the ball dropped <laughs> and people are celebrating and the fireworks are going off and people are, are smooching and kissing and in the new year, you would never have imagined no. 
in your wildest dreams all that we would experience and all the challenges, but yet also never would have dreamed of all the great opportunities yeah. that God has, has opened up. And I really try to help transition people that I get to serve and, and leadership with to say, hey, let's quit talking about what we can't do and let's talk about what we can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really helped to reframe a few things. And, of course, I work with athletes and coaches and had some very disappointing moments throughout this year and, um, and, uh, and some great triumphs in this year. But, uh, you know, when, when, when coaches and athletes don't put their identity in the sport, mm-hmm. but they put them in Christ, it brings a whole new perspective uh, and, and a way to, to view life and, and all the challenges that you face. You know, being a Green Beret, and, of course, I'm a Marine Corps vet, you know, we've talked a little bit about this before, and, and there's, um, you know, a, a bit of patri- patriotism, I guess, that's still deep-seated inside both of us. You know, I remember 9-11. I remember where I was at mm. on 9-11. Yeah. And I remember the situation and the circumstance. I'll never forget it. Man, I remember the 2020. I remember the Wednesday of March whenever 2020 was kind of, you know, first noted and stated, sorry, COVID in 2020, when COVID was first noted and stated that it was um, present in the U.S. This was an official announcement, you know, and I was in Honduras and um, oh, yeah. had students there. You know, we caught the last flight out of Honduras and uh, and made it home. Atlanta airport was kind of empty. So going all the way back to March when you were first, you know, made aware that this whole COVID issue has occurred and then, you know, you're dealing with this through your work in FCA, you're dealing with a whole season of, of ball players who didn't get to get on the field, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of start this interview out, this conversation. It's not really an interview, but this conversation more about when tragedy hits, when circumstance hits, and you've got personal of those your own life, but when those hit, man, what, what do we do? What do we do in those moments? You know, you say, okay, William, there's a lot of difficulties, a lot of challenges. There's been some phenomenal opportunities. Well, take us through a little bit of that. When you when you first met with the first team, realizing they're not going to play this year. Yeah, you know it's it, it's interesting that you, you pose that question because we actually in our staff talked about that today because there's still those challenges. There are several schools where FCA is still not active in terms of its uh, weekly huddle on campus, and there's a lot of schools having virtual experience. And so, how do we keep FCA thriving in those environments? And what I just said is. Uh, I just, and you mentioned I got a chance to preach this past weekend. I got called up on Saturday. They called me off the bench and they looked down the injured reserve list and found a guy to go ahead <laughs> and preach. I, I was relating it to Denver Broncos. We're struggling with a quarterback. Uh, and uh, But anyway, they found one out there. I and, prayed for you, by the way. <laughs> and got to speak. And it was basically out of this story, man, found in Acts chapter 3. And um, sometimes what happens is, is we're so busy with the multitudes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Peter, after Pentecost, preaches this message, and 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus. Yeah. I mean, before there was only 500 yeah. following him. Now there's 3,500 following him. And then on this occasion, Acts chapter 3, there's this guy that's uh, con- congenitally he's, he's defective. I mean, he's, he can't walk. He's uh, this uh, challenge that's facing him all of his life where people are having to carry him every day to a place to beg for alms. And what's interesting in this moment is that Peter didn't allow the multitudes to distract them from the one. Mm. And so in ministry today, the context looks a little bit different in that uh, I tell my guys on my staff is, let's go deeper in discipleship. Let's minister to the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be one coach. It may be one athlete who we can go deep with and watch God uh, 
make a disciple who's making disciples who are making disciples. And I said, really, that's maybe God is slowing us down to, to remind us that it's not about the big splash. It's not about just always posting about the big crowd that showed up mm-hmm. or always posting about the, the 500 that got baptized. But what about the one? Mm-hmm. And I think God's giving us a chance to reach the one. Mm-hmm. It, it's also interesting that Peter said to him, look at us. And I think sometimes we're so busy looking at the great scheme of things that we don't take time to look at the hurt and the stuff that's going on in the one. And mm-hmm. so um, we're paying attention to the one. You know, our um, when, when preachers get in the room, you know, and they share their stories together, you know, I, I recently spoke about Peter in a different way. I spoke about, you know, his denial of the Christ and mm-hmm. spoke about... Um, when Jesus, you know, restored him and comes back and, you know, after Peter's denial three times and Jesus comes back and asks him the question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, first two times Jesus uses a word, um, agapeo, which basically mm. is kind of a divine love, yeah. you know, and Peter's response on the first two times, you know, was not the word, um, agapeo, but it was more of this, uh, phileo, which basically means, you know, a brotherly love, like mm-hmm. you and my bro, Jesus, kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah. And the third time Jesus uses the very term that Peter uses, you know, instead of saying, do you love me? He says, do you like me? You know, and Peter says, you know, I like you, you know, I like you, you know, I like you all three times. And Peter never could get to where Jesus was with the love factor, but yet mm. Jesus met him where he was yeah. and he didn't leave him there. You yeah, know, he kept him, loved him. Now you see the 3,000, the 3,500, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you see the shadow healing, all of that kind of stuff. You know, Robert, in, in, in difficult days like this, what are some ways that you think that we can come to the place that we have to admit that the one is more important than the mass? And here you, you mentioned that, but here's the real concern for me. So many times the mass gets more notoriety than the one. So what are you telling these coaches? We're about the one. You know, you just said that, but let's take a little bit deeper than that. What does it mean? What are you saying to these coaches? You know, and because a lot of times everything is tied up in the success of the mass yeah. and not the intimacy of the one. Yeah. Well, you know, in sport world, we tell you, you can't, you don't try to control the uncontrollables. I mean, there's those things that you can't do. And if you fix your life on trying to work on the outcomes you don't have the capacity. You're not mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that we all struggle with is a Messiah complex at times. Uh, but but what you do focus in on is what you can control in those mm-hmm. moments. And, uh, you know, you, you, you start off with the story of September the 11th, you know, on that day. And it was six months later they found the story uh, that emerged out of that was the, the one guy that was a Boston College athlete, that uh, lacrosse player mm-hmm. that always carried a, a, a handkerchief. And uh, his dad said, the one in your pocket in you know suit jacket is for show, and the one in your back pocket is for blow. Oh, and nice. just always kind of, he was always intrigued by that. So he always carried a red bandana. Yeah. And... Uh, Apparently, many of the survivors that were led down to safety said that they didn't know who the man was, Mm -hmm. but that he had a red bandana that covered his face. And he kept saying, follow me. Mm -hmm. I know the way. I'll lead you to safety. And I think strong leadership in this day and this hour and the chaotic political climate and the chaos of the pandemic, we need leaders who will go up when everybody else is rushing down, mm-hmm. we need leaders who will go back up and tell people who are hurting, hey, follow me. Mm-hmm. I know the way. 
mm-hmm. and I'll get you to safety. So what does that leader look like? You know, do you have to be a coach? Can you just be a teacher? You know, can you be a non-athlete and still do the leading? Can you be uh, a freshman athlete who leads a senior athlete? You know, let's talk about um, what makes you worthy to be that leader and, and how do you get to that place when you can do it well? Yeah, absolutely. I think leadership is summoned, right? And so I, I, I speak of athletes and coaches because FCA, mm-hmm. unapologetically, our vehicle of ministry is sport. Sure. You have 76 million kids involved in organized athletics in America. And you put their grandparents and their parents together on a sporting event. You got three fourths of America mm-hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's to all whom they influence as well. So, yeah. yeah in terms of leadership, I think there's a. I, I, isn't it interesting? Leonard Sweet said this in one of his books. He said that uh, how many times do you hear, uh, particularly in the in the very end, to him who has ears. Mm-hmm. Hear what the Spirit has to say, mm-hmm. and I think in this time, man, who's listening, and then who's being summoned to leadership? And I think it's those who have listening ears. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you step into it if you're a young freshman a student who's trying to help their classmates, you know, um, find a sense of peace that passes all understanding, or, or find some sense of what it looks like to to be courageous in the midst of a time of uncertainty. Yes, I think that. That you listen to the Holy Spirit and you uh, you answer the call and you are summoned to leadership. I believe people are more summoned to it than born to it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think it it's it comes in every size, it comes in every color, it comes in uh, every gender. It it uh, it's whoever has ears to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I just actually taught a class uh, this semester, and one of the textbooks was the book Summoned to Lead, you know, by mm-hmm. um, by Sweet, you know. Um, you know, leadership is influence. Leadership is a process. Leadership, um, you know, takes time. It's not it's not quick and easy, you know, and it moves people toward a common goal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you guys are doing that every day. You know, how is it different for you now in a completely semi-virtual, completely semi, what does that mean, William? It's kind of oxymoronic. But anyway, you yeah. know, in a virtual world, yeah, how you. are you actually effectively touching kids because kids are in, in such a, a media crash anyway in a yeah, lot of yeah. ways. Well, a couple of things we've done is, again, as I shared with you earlier, we quit talking about what we couldn't do, what can we do. And so obviously we started using more of the technology that was available to, to reach people. You know, and, and here's what we found is that uh, in the process of this, particularly in the, in the beginning of the COVID and pandemic, is that students were forced to step up and lead. I mean, we couldn't be on campus. <laughs> uh, there was no campus involved because they were sure. out of school. And so we had we had sophomores, juniors, freshmen stepping up and doing a 15-minute devotional uh, on FaceTime, you know, or face, Facebook Live, yeah. who normally wouldn't lead an FCA huddle on a campus, mm-hmm. who are now being and, – and really, that's, that is our job. In FCA, we have this – uh, E3 model to engage, to equip and empower. Yeah. And there's no success without a successor. I think many times in leadership, the problem we have is that, uh, you know, we, I call it the, you know, the, 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 the generation where uh, that arose that didn't know the power of God, whatever. So you had a Moses that had a Joshua, but he didn't have a Joshua that had another Joshua. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times what's happening is, is, man, in our ministry paradigms, we don't have a good plan to empower mm-hmm. people to do, to do the work and to do leadership. And um, we don't give it away. And our, really our greatest goal in FCA is give ministry away. Mm-hmm. 
I mentioned in the onset that, um, you know, you're a peer mentor to me kind of a thing. You know, you're, you're a friend who taught me some very valuable, um, incredibly valuable um, technique. It's called the SOAP method. I don't think yeah. it's original with you, right? No, but, no. But, um, but man, you, you set fire to it. Um, tell us about that yeah. because in a, in a culture that is so pulling and wooing of us with so many different things now, you know, the, you talk about the, the, the encounter with the one, you know, and then mm-hmm. one-to-one kind of intimate relationship between humanity and deity and, you know, us with Jesus. Man, when did you start this soap journal? Because yeah. I know now you have books and books and volumes yeah. and volumes of that. What was the inspiration behind that? And what are you seeing through that amazing story? So, yeah, William, I, I, there was a guy that, um, a pastor out of, uh, that has written several leadership books, one called Leader, uh, Leading on Empty, but uh, Wayne Cordero. Yep. And Wayne basically came to a point where he just got tired of hearing people say, I'm leaving your church because I'm not getting fed. And he thought about, well, okay, so whose responsibility is that, right? As a pastor, as a shepherd, you're thinking, yes, I have some some responsibility to feeding you, but mm-hmm. if I only see you on Sunday, yeah. and that's the only day you eat. And so he started thinking about, well, maybe the greater challenge is we haven't done a good job from the youngest to the oldest teaching how people had to engage the Word. In America, in Western Christianity, man, we've got a Bible on, you know, uh, on almost every room, yeah. right? But we don't engage the Scripture. And so he thought, how can I teach people to engage the Scripture? So um, he really started to kind of create in his book that he wrote called Divine Mentor an apologetic for for reading through the scripture every year and then uh, journaling in the process because as you're writing, you're stimulating the right hemisphere of your brain. There's a lot of other stuff that happens. How many times has the Holy Spirit spoken to you mm-hmm. and yet you didn't write it down so you forgot it or dismissed it and didn't yeah. do it? And so started this project, this process called SOAP taking a daily bath in the Word of God, and soap was Scripture. Yep. You know, so as you're getting a plan through version, and, uh, and I tell you, uh, as I started this process, for athletes, I describe it like this. It's the core workout. Okay. Like it, it, in the last 11 years for me, it is what has established my spiritual core. It is the anchor that has held me together. I've served God for, for well over 30-something years in ministry, and I can tell you, fundamentally, it's the, it's the best thing I mm-hmm. ever did. Mm-hmm. And basically, write out that one scripture, you feel like God's digging into your heart. That O is observation. Like, mm-hmm. what did I observe this time? I may have read it a hundred times, but what did I observe this time that I didn't see it before? And I write that out. And then the A is application. Okay, mm-hmm. if I did this today, if the subject was on forgiveness, and I know I've got this issue out there, um, what does that look like if I applied it to my life? And then the P is a prayer. How I mean, basically write out a prayer. Okay, God, I've got to forgive so and so, and you know this so and so is a real jerk, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's like uh, fingernails on a chalkboard every time I get around them. Mm-hmm. God, help me mm-hmm. to respond to your word in a way that will transform my heart first, mm-hmm. and then them later. You mm-hmm. know. And so I started that process. And what's unique about it is, is that just modeling it, my girls picked up on it, yeah. you know, and they started doing it and, uh, you know, to see God do a work in their heart and their lives. And I've got 10 or 15 volumes now filled with these daily devotions. And I may not leave my kids a ton of money. Hmm. I, I feel like the, the, what Peter told that lame beggar, silver and gold have I none. <laughs> Such as Knowing I you have. and how you give it away, you probably won't leave them any money, Robert. But anyway. But but one thing I will give them yeah. 
is volumes of books of their dad sitting down with the father yeah. at the table wow. and just having a meal with God and time with him and praying for them. And they'll have an opportunity to open those things up. And I hope it's uh, something that will enrich their lives. Do you ever go back and look at them? I have, you know, the first couple of years, uh, William, God spoke specifically to me. This is not for your, you can't give this in your locker room devotions. You mm. can't do this. You can't preach on these. You can't, you know, and, and I didn't. And then I'll, and then he kind of opened three years later. He said, okay, I'm going to take you back. You now have, and at some point, man, I, I've been told I need to write. I've been told I need to get books out there. I've been told I need to get podcasts out there. <laughs> I need to do some stuff. And I've got like, uh, man, I've got over probably uh, 2,500 journal entries wow. you know, to, to be able to put some of this stuff together. Wow. So my dad um, quit school in the sixth grade back in the early 20s to take care of his family and never went to formal school again. And, uh, and so I have um, actually in this office right now where we're sitting, um, I have a, a briefcase. And in that briefcase has these little folded over eight and a half by 11 folded over into a half sheet, which makes four sides. And so there's four Sundays generally in a month. And that was my dad's notes, you know, so he had wow. one. Matter of fact, I'm going <laughs> to risk the noise factor for a second. And I'm going to show you this. Now, my tech guy's probably going to be like tripping out right now because he hears some extra noise. So you guys just imagine I'm opening up a, a briefcase here in my office and you're going to see. And I just slid this across to Robert. And the reason I'm doing that, Robert, is because I think what you're saying is phenomenal. Now, my dad didn't have the soap method, but in a little you know, scratchy ink that you're looking at right now, what he did have was he had heritage and he had faith and he had relationship, That's awesome. you know, and on that you got four sides and you've got four Sundays and each side is split with an AM and PM generally on most of those, man, I didn't find this, 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 uh, briefcase with all this stuff in it until my dad passed. And then, um, when he passed, you know, I, I took that and, and, uh, um, I had kind of barter with my other six siblings for it, but um, but I took it and I've I've slowly over time opened that up and looked at many different ones of those, and I would pick a random so scripture good. off of the page and go back. So, man, what you're talking about is phenomenal. It it is phenomenal. What about the parent who will say, "I should have had 2,500 entries, yeah. but I've lost it, and I want to start now." Isn't how do we reclaim heritage lost? I mean, there is a way to do that, you know, scripturally, and God's math is different than our math, right? So talk to the parent that might be listening to this who says, man, I I missed all my entries, but yet I want to start now. Yeah, I, I would just say, listen, you can't go back and change yesterday, but you can change today, Yeah, and you can change your future. And so, man, start today. I mean, um, I don't think there's anything uh, wrong with man just feeling like this is the moment that the Holy Spirit has made this, uh, made me aware of this, and and our obedience from here on that God can take it. I mean, He tells us in Joel that He takes what the canker worm and the pommel worm and the you know have destroyed, and He restores it back to us. And mm-hmm. so I think there's an element of that as well that God can restore some of our 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 past, uh, and He can speed up. Mm-hmm. Some of uh, the years that we miss that were that were taken from us. So I think God can do that redemptively. But but I always tell people, man, do what Paul did. I forget those things that are behind me, man. Yeah. If, if we spend our, I love 
I, I love the fact that one guy said, hey, we don't live our life through the you know, rearview mirror. <laughs> mm. We better be living it through the windshield. Because mm-hmm. if you drive most of your life looking through the rearview mirror, yeah. you're going to have a lot of crashes. And the, the windshield is always so much bigger because where God's taking you is so much bigger than, than yeah. where you've been. Oh, you know? that's and awesome. So, you know, that's the thing I would tell them. And, and so start today. Mm-hmm. And then also don't beat yourself up, man. If you There's seasons of, of life in between those last 11 years where I've missed uh, sequentially a few days here and there, and I don't get been out of shape. It's yeah. It's got to be based out of relationship, not out of religion. Yeah. It can't be just a check mark. It's got to be an invitation. Mm-hmm. And I tell parents, you know, and and leaders to make sure the blend is there between challenge and invitation. Yeah. yeah. There's some moments where Jesus is saying, "Hey, you want to follow me? Mm-hmm. The foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have any place to lay his head. Yeah. Pick up your cross and come after me. Yeah. But then there's other times of saying, "All oh, you are heavy laden. Mm. Just come unto me and I'll give you rest. Yeah. And Jesus had this innate ability and leadership to be able to challenge and to invite. And he had the right, the, the right mixture of the two to grow people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to be a little bit more challenge-oriented and yeah. less invitation-oriented. Yeah. You know, since we're friends, I, I, I go back and I have a lot of memories with you. And I, and I think back, so I'm pulling kind of in my memory now um, several days, you know. And, and one of those was the day you hugged your girl goodbye. Mm. And one well, you have two girls, you know. Yeah. This was the day. This was Mariah, right? Well, I had Sierra, the youngest Sierra one. Sierra was the yeah. one, right? So this was the day you hugged her goodbye when she went to the true mission field. And yeah. I will never forget your quote. You talked about, you know, you've kind of— admonished and encouraged and helped, you know, many other kids in their lives. But on this day, mm. you know, you prayed the father prayer over your own child and said yeah. goodbye. Um, 2020s, unfortunately, I think it's kind of a, kind of an insight to a, a future that's going to get worse Yeah, for all of us because yeah. humanity continues to serve humanity versus serving almighty. Yeah. And the more we do that, the more difficulty we're going to we're going to going to see. Yeah. Um, what do you say to the to the to the to the daughters and the sons and the fathers and the mothers right now, who've kind of twenty twenties had them on idle, but man, they really want to get engaged in this game. You know, um, God's getting ready to call them off the bench. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. I think He's doing that. You know, and yeah. and they're the next man up. Yeah. What do we What do we need to know about preparing ourselves to be available as the next man up? Yeah. I think that um, there, there's never been a time in human history where every generation hasn't had its challenges sure. and its struggles, and and those who are who are uh, what I would say like today, my staff we looked at First Timothy chapter four, and basically my my Paul told Timothy he said practice these things yeah. like you got to practice, put it into practice now and watch yourself because the hardest person you're going to ever lead mm-hmm. is yourself. But yeah. he said, practice these things. And he said, if you do this, he said, not only will you save yourself, yeah. but you'll save others who are watching you. And so I tell this, I tell every one of these young generational leaders that want to get out and lead is, man, practice today. Mm-hmm. Put the time in. Train yourself for godliness. Don't Allow this to be a time where you become spiritually lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, dig in. And it may mean there's not a lot of fruit on the tree right now, but if you're faithful, trust the seed. God will grant the fruit mm-hmm. But um, in, in his season and his time. And, and yet, 
look at what you can do. Like my daughter, as you just mentioned, she's getting ready, hopefully, to be able to make it home. We'll see. Um, but she's uh, planning a coffee shop. She's 21 years old. She went over there when she's 19. And they're planning a coffee shop in the red light district of mm. Amsterdam. Yeah. And uh, doing ministry there. And, you know, before COVID hit, they had like eight to 10 kids that were, or I'm sorry, kids that are, yeah, as many of them are kids that were in the red light district that they were ministering to. And now they are ministering to over 250 every week. Mm -hmm. And so God has opened up the opportunity to speak life. And, uh, you know, for a 21 year old girl sure. to be sharing that with um, the group that God has sent her to is pretty mm -hmm. special. And, and, uh, I believe they have the anointing mm. and they have the gift mm -hmm. and they were being summoned to such a time as this mm -hmm. for leadership. And so um, keep practicing because one day he's going to put you in the game. Yeah. You know, Robert, we're in the, we're in the beginning stages of Advent now. This is um, in Western Christianity. It's kind of a liturgical tradition, you know, leading up to actually Christmas kind of a anticipation, you know, the coming of Christ kind of a mm -hmm. thing. Unfortunately, um, in the world of prophecy, prophecy sells, you know, um, especially false prophets, you know, and, and so um, I want to be very careful how I say this. You know, unfortunately, we can't test every prophet. We should test every prophet, but not every prophet mm. is proven, yeah. you know, and so unfortunately, we're getting so many words out there and, and so much craziness, you know, but there is truth. Yeah. And there is a real word yeah. um, of the short list of people that I trust when they have a word, mm. you're on the short list. What do you sense in your heart? You know, you talked a moment ago about, you know, an ear to hear the revelation, you know, passage that um, Leonard Sweet kind of unpacks. You know, even talks about in the book, Big Ears, you know, being able yeah, to hear yeah. even more clearly. What are you what are you hearing for us in the world today in your spirit, man? What is the Lord speaking to you that I think would be good food for all of us? You know, I think the word right now that comes to mind, and my story is is significant and it drives some of this because it's this Christmas season yep. when I came to Christ. I yep. mean, I was a young kid getting an opportunity to visit my father, and he brought me to a Christmas service on December 23rd, 1981, uh, in a small church in Glen St. Mary, Florida. Mm -hmm. And I had never been in church before. And so this is my first experience. And uh, on that night, God absolutely rescued me mm -hmm. and changed my world around. And the thing that I think I experienced more than any other was this word wonder. Mm -hmm. And when you look at this Christmas season and people will pull Isaiah, you know, and uh, chapter nine, verse six, unto us a child was born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called mm -hmm. Wonder, mm -hmm. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the thought that I would give, and the thing that I think we need in this particular time, is never lose the wonder. Yeah. It's the first thing you receive, but I found out for so many during struggles like now, it could be the first thing you lose as well. Mm -hmm. And the secret to people, and I've, I've read a book um, about those who um, have served, uh, uh, Gordon McDonald wrote a book about the longevity of service in, mm -hmm. in ministry. And he said, the thing that seems to keep people sharp and passionate through a long tenure of ministry is this idea of wonder, that they've never lost the wonder. Gypsy Smith, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived, they asked him at 80 years at, uh, of speaking and sharing the gospel. I said, tell us, how are you so vibrant 
and uh, passionate when you speak. And he mm-hmm. said these words, because I have never lost the wonder. Wow. And I, I would pray over this Christmas season, man, that people would rediscover the wonder of Jesus, mm-hmm. that maybe God's slowing the pace down. Maybe he's removing some of the things that we've tried to allow to become our identity. Sure. And he's saying, hey, let's get together and rediscover the wonder of knowing Jesus mm-hmm. and the experience of your sins being forgiven and the experience of knowing, man, that you have become a child of God mm-hmm. and now have the opportunity to be involved in the greatest rescue mission in human history, man. Yeah. To share good news. Mm-hmm. And uh, this story is being shared. I work with coaches in Ethiopia. Uh, William, to, to two weeks ago, got a call from one of them that's a Somali coach. Yeah. And he said, I'm in hiding right now because I just led another coach to Christ, and, and they killed him, poisoned wow. him within a week wow. of his salvation. And this coach that we have on our FCA team, he said, um, they sent me a notice. The Muslims sent me a notice that uh, said, you may have led – him to Christ, but you'll lead no more. Mm-hmm. Man, he's already back out. Mm-hmm. And when you ask him why, what's so compelling about the Christian faith that you would keep on keeping yeah. on, yeah. knowing that your life is at risk? They've already executed his mother, his father, several of his siblings, and he keeps on sharing Jesus mm-hmm. and using sport to bring the vehicle of Christ to, 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 to other Somalis. Um, he says, uh, because of the joy that's set before me. Mm-hmm. Man, he's got the wonder. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the wonder will get you through whatever you face. Mm-hmm. Just trust and hold on. Well, that, man, that is that is so true, Robert, because, you know, just as a child, I remember those first encounters with first kind of situations and circumstances, you know, and joy and happiness and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. Um, remember, remember my wife, you know, in, in our, on our wedding day, man, the wonder of that moment. And I think, you, I think that, that that's a great word. It's a great word for all of us because I think that one of the things that the enemy has attempted to do so well is to get us to be distorted in our perspective, in our in our perception, you know, and and, and be distorted in how we actually view Jesus, you know, and and, yeah. and view the world. And and I think that that man, yeah, um, we're at a season right now where um, our our King lives. Yes. You know, yeah, he did. He was crucified and he did die. But man, he lives. Yeah. You know, amazing I mean, stuff. I mean, where are we going to put our trust? And who are we going to lean into? Yeah. And um, I think it's it's time to say, listen, silver and gold have I none. Mm-hmm. But such as I have yeah. the wonder of Jesus, yeah. Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And yeah. I'm afraid that the church has come to the place mm-hmm. where we have silver and gold, mm-hmm. but we no longer have rise up and walk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. God, give us rise up and walk. Yeah. That, my friend, yeah. will make a difference in the situation we're facing right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Man, one of the things that's been on my heart lately, and we'll close here in a minute, but one of the things that's been on my heart lately has just kind of been this, I want, I want to say it's an urgency mm. to refresh my own mind, my heart, sure, but my mind of what truth is. Yeah. You know, because the battleground of the soul, I think, occurs in the mind, mm. you know, in the intellect. And, mm-hmm. and when we let our minds be so full of so much 
non-truth, so much craziness, so much compromising moments, you yeah. know, an appetite that feeds itself more and more and more than I think. I think that we're seeing some of those results, you yeah. know, in the world yeah. today. And uh, had a close encounter. You, you know this. I had a close encounter recently as a runner. I uh, could run up a hill, but I couldn't walk up a hill. It didn't make any sense. You mm. know, went to the cardiologist, and on October 30th, they went in, and um, after several other tests, they put a stand on my right artery, which was 80% blocked. And they told me that it was a kind of a rarity they would find in runners to where that over it's the first time I've ever been called an endurance athlete, right? So uh, <laughs> even though I don't run as fast as you and Matt Ryerson's and Jeff Sires and all the crazies in the world, you know, I still get the same medal because I cross, you know, <laughs> right. after the winner and before the loser. But, um, man, you know, they, they told me, they said that what happened was that my my heart, because of the years of um, running, was so strong that it was mm. pumping so much blood that even though the artery was blocked 80%, that blood was still getting through but the risk was it would expand the artery, mm. you know, and that was very, very dangerous, obviously. Yeah. And they said, what would happen, what happened is that my, my body had kind of trained itself, but I was headed for a crash because you can't put blood where there is no open space. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think for so many people, if we're not careful, you know, we will get accustomed to a routine that mm-hmm. can be, you know, equally dangerous for us. And I had to listen. You're talking about the hearing again. Man, I had to listen to my body, and my body said, I'm fatigued, I can't do this, or something wrong, or something abnormal. So to all the people that are listening to us today that um, got a friend who asked me, why do you like Christmas? As he talks about why someone in his family doesn't like Christmas, Mm -hmm. you know? And and it was an interesting question because I never really get asked, why do you like Christmas? Mm. I just assume people know why, (laughs) right? as we close today, I'm going to get you, I want you to give last closing thoughts, but I want you to pray before we end today. You know, um, a mother's prayer has kept a lot of people out of hell, yeah. but a father's prayer has established a lot of people as well. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want you to pray as a father of all the athletes that you serve and the coaches mm-hmm. that you mentor. And, you know, you and your wife have spent your life in sharing um, yourselves with other people. But mm-hmm. as we think about this crazy world we're in right now, I think that somebody listening to us may need to be reminded of the hope of the season, yeah. you know, that we just talked about. So yeah. closing thoughts, Robert, and then offer a prayer today um, that God would, when people listen to this, that God would touch hearts and people would um, would come to know him. The one thing that people can't see today because there's no video that I know about you when I get in these conversations, every time your eyes leak, yeah. they swell up with passion and joy and hunger and love for Jesus. Yeah. And that leaks out of you, man. Yeah. So I want you to kind of give us some closing thoughts and then pray for us today that God would touch somebody's life. You know, the the, the thing that probably has um, been most challenging to me, as I was mentioning earlier about being in Ethiopia, I, I was able to spend some time in a, in a room with these coaches that were from different places uh, in very hot spot, some of the most dangerous places in the world to serve as a Christian. And uh, listening to their stories, of uh, faith in Christ. And um, honestly, the thing that I came back with is, uh, have I been so distracted Hmm. with religious duties Mm -hmm. that I have missed the things that are most important Mm -hmm. and have somehow forgotten uh, the operation order? Yeah. You know, the command and the Great Commission. And uh, man, I would say this Christmas season... 
Uh, and I know it's trite, it sounds trite, but like, like it, it changed my life. It changed yeah. the trajectory of my life. And I would say we have the potential to offer the greatest gift in human history to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all it requires us is to be a witness. Yeah. 39 times in the book of Acts, he says, you'll be witnesses. Mm-hmm. And a witness is someone who stands up in a court of law and testifies to the truth, mm-hmm. to what they've seen, to what they've heard. heard. And what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. And a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. There you go. Yeah. And so I would say this Christmas season, don't be quiet. Yeah. Share your story. Please do. Yeah. And declare <laughs> what Christ has done for you. Yeah. And give people an invitation, man, to to surrender their heart so that they can experience the peace of God that does transcend all human understanding. As strange as it may seem, Robert, you know, Jesus launched this whole idea based on the experience Mm. and the story, the transformation and the sharing of that story. Yeah. You know, man, listen, um, after you pray, we're going to have a song Yeah, and I want people just to listen to that song and from the, you worship. And I want them just to think about, Think about um, their life, where yeah. are they at, you know, with, with Christ. And uh, you pray for us today, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's my great privilege. Father, you and your divine plan, sovereign plan, you knew who would get on and listen to this podcast today. Father, you knew that you had specially picked out someone who's hurting and broken and struggling, God, because of all that has been happening over this past year. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, would you use the words that William and I were able to share in the Scripture to bring uh, courage and strength and hope and, Lord, to change a life today. Maybe someone will listen who said they've never fully put their faith and trust in Jesus as their only hope for eternal life. I pray today, God, as, a, as I did as a 17-year-old kid struggling with some addictive behaviors, I pray that today, Father, that they would reach for the door mm. and open up their heart and invite you to come in, confess that their way is wrong, your way is right, and Lord Jesus, ask you to become the Lord of their life. And then for those who need courage this season to share, maybe it's like me, a son who's been praying for a mom for years and years and years to come to know Jesus. I pray this Christmas season, Father, many of those who we've been praying for, that we've been sowing seed in, that one more time, God, we'll tell the story, the great story, God, the redemptive story, God, that will see a life change. We pray these things today in the matchless and marvelous name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We find ourselves waiting again To feel the waves stirred by heaven Spirit of God, move as your heart desires All of our crashing down as we lean in to hear you now spirit of god speak as your heart desires come on let's make this our prayer tonight lord let the 
sing it out. Show us mercy as you do something new. We're expectant. We're expectant. With our hands lifted high. With our hands lifted high. And our hearts open wide. We're expectant. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.